What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, it's the Tom Hartman Podcast brought to you by Cameron Hughes Wine. There's a little secret that most people don't know about the highest quality wineries in the United States and how they work. They'll say, you know, as they start their year, okay, we're going to bottle, say, 5,000 bottles of wine this year. And so they overproduce for that, produce enough for maybe 6,000 bottles of wine. But, you know, they've, they've sold 5,000, they're ready to get 5,000 out. And so that's basically all they do under their own label. And then when they're done, they've got casks of wine left over that haven't been bottled. Cameron Hughes contracts with some of the very best vineyards in America to take that essentially surplus wine. I mean, you know, it's the exact same wine you would buy in a bottle for 50, 60, 100. Uh, one of the Cameron Hughes wines I had last week, the retail price, if you knew who the brand was, was over $150 a bottle. Cameron Hughes buys that in bulk, bottles it, puts just a simple number. Here it is, lot 506 or lot 622. Simple number on it. And you get some of the most spectacular wines at huge discounts off what you would normally pay. Cameron Hughes has been doing this since 2001, seeking out high-end wine from around the world and selling it online direct to his customers. This is not just American wines. Earning Cameron Hughes Wine the number one wine brand online. It's just extraordinary stuff. Uh, I recently sampled Lot 609. This is a Cabernet Sauvignon. It was insane. It was so good. It was bold. It was rich. It had... The, the black fruit and red licorice and crushed red rock, all these, these extraordinary tastes, juicy and ripe on the palate. You got to check this out. Go to chwine.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. C-H as in Cameron Hughes, that's his name, he, the guy who started the company and runs it. I've talked with him. He's a great guy and he's doing amazing stuff. chwine.com slash T-H-O-M. Or text the word wine, W-I-N-E, text the word wine to 511 and you'll get free shipping with your minimum three-bottle order. So text WINE to 511-511. Cameron Hughes Wine. Exceptional value. Extraordinary wine. Now enjoy the podcast. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you live. I'm back, and uh, so glad to be back. President Putin and President Trump just finished their press conference. It is, you know, up until last week, up until the indictment uh, that uh, Robert Mueller pulled forward, I had been uh, saying, pointing out, whatever, that there's... You know, obvious and considerable uh, proof. I mean, you know, it's from Facebook itself, for example, that this uh, private company in Russia, the Internet, uh, the, uh, Internet uh, Research Bureau that uh, Mr. The Putin was referring to in the press conference, I think uh, by a different name, Concord, um, was, you know, flooding Facebook and, and Twitter and whatnot with all these, uh, you know, anti-Hillary Clinton, pro-Donald Trump uh, ads and, and things designed to... Uh, tear Americans apart and all that sort of thing. And, and I was saying, you know, maybe Russia did that. Maybe, you know, some billionaire in the United States did that. Maybe the Republican Party did that. I, I want to see the evidence. I, w I want to see the evidence. Well, I've seen the evidence. Or at least I've seen the charges, which contain a, a, a startling amount of detail. And both houses of Congress, the Senate and the House of Representatives, have seen the evidence. And they've all come to the conclusion 
that the Russian government was messing with our elections. And, you know, I mean, yeah, so the Russian side will say, well, yeah, you've, you know, you've tried to influence our elections and you've tried to influence elections in our sphere of interest in, in Ukraine, et cetera. But that's, you know, that, that is no excuse. So number one, it is now clear to me, and I'm no longer, you know, I, I no longer have any doubt that were it not for a couple of, two, basically two things, although there's a whole bunch of them, but basically two things. Number one, for the, the Russian meddling in the election, number one. And number two, a small group of very, very powerful and wealthy billionaires who were given the power to manipulate elections by our U.S. Supreme Court that had those two things not coincided, that Donald Trump would not be president. And he knows that as well. And either one of those things might be what tipped it over the top. But in the context of this, I mean, you know, our Supreme Court has said it's perfectly legal for billionaires to own politicians. It's perfectly legal for Robert Mercer to have done what he did with the Trump campaign. Although we'll see, you know, uh, it's perfectly legal for the Koch brothers to throw a million dollars into dark money ads to, to get uh, Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court because he's going to help out their business interests and these kind of things. But it's not legal under any circumstances, in any way, for a foreign government to come into the United States and mess in our elections. It's just simply not. It's, it's, uh, and and uh, Donald Trump was asked the question, do you believe your own intelligence service? And he essentially said, you know, uh, he, he essentially said, I'm not going to believe my lion eyes. I'm going to believe what, uh, what Putin said to me. And I think this has now moved this press conference this morning in my opinion, moved Donald Trump from the area of essentially bad actor to high crimes and misdemeanors worthy of impeachment. In fact, beyond high crimes and, and, and misdemeanors and arguably, arguably treason. In as much as we were attacked and, you know, Prior to having actually read this indictment last Friday, I would have said, you know, if the evidence shows, then I'm going to say, well, I'm saying it now. You read this indictment, and, and, and what was Putin's response? Oh, well, you know, we'll let the FBI come over and watch as we interrogate our guys, your, you know, our guys. <laughs> uh, but in exchange for that, and, you know, that but was a big one, right? In exchange for that, we want our intelligence services to go over to your country and interrogate some of your people. Right. Like that's going to happen. I mean, this thing was a, this, this was a, this was a train wreck. This was, you know, and here you have the president of the United States trashing the entire Democratic Party. He said he stood on foreign soil next to, next to Putin, the president of Russia, and said that the Democratic Party was only interested in obstruction, attacked a political party. Presidents of democracies, leaders of democracies don't even think like that, much less do that. That's what autocrats do. I, you know, I was watching when he was uh, at the NATO meeting uh, a couple of days ago. And who's he walking down the, uh, you know, down the street with and having a friendly chat with? Erdogan. Erdogan of Turkey. A guy who has turned into a full-blown autocrat, although he's still part of NATO. I mean, he's very strategically located. We've got this real problem now with Turkey. Jailing journalists, you know, uh, imprisoning political opponents. And Trump is walking and talking with this guy. By the way, Turkey is the place where in Ankara, Turkey, I believe it is, there is a Trump hotel or a Trump property. Trump has business interests in Turkey. Trump wants to have business interests in Russia. One of the things that we know from Mueller's investigation of Michael Cohen is that right up until a few months before either the primary election or the general election, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which it was, but just right up until a few months before one of those two elections where Donald Trump won, Michael Cohen on Trump's behalf was still trying to negotiate a Trump hotel in Moscow. So here we have a, a, I, 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 it just, this just blows my mind. I mean, I, I, I don't know how to say it beyond that. It just blows my mind. This is, you know, we were, we were attacked according to these indictments. And I, and I, I see no reason not to believe them. The data and the information and the detail is there. Mueller laid it out and it was not rebutted this morning by, by Putin. And it certainly was not rebutted by Trump. 
We were attacked by a foreign power in a way that, in my opinion, altered the outcome of our election and made Donald Trump president. And of course, he's unwilling to acknowledge that because that would mean that he would have to acknowledge that he is an illegitimate president, that Mike Pence is an illegitimate vice president, that, that Kavanaugh is an illegitimate nominee for the Supreme Court, that Gorsuch, Neil Gorsuch, is an illegitimate member of the United States Supreme Court, that the actions that have been taken by Scott Pruitt to roll back environmental regulations so that more children in America will get cancer, but, but more oil billionaires will make more money, are illegitimate actions. That the actions that have been taken by Mick Mulvaney over at, uh, at the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the Office of Management and Budget, but particularly the CFPB, to, to basically neuter them so they can no longer protect American citizens from the predations of giant banks are illegitimate. Because this administration is illegitimate. It was not legitimately elected. That Ryan Zinke selling off, you know, bear's ears and, and cutting out our national parks and giving them away to, to, to campaign finance buddies of the, of the Republican Party. And, the, and by the way, not only in my opinion is it clear that Donald Trump is a traitor, that he, in this press conference, committed an act of treason. Attacking a political party as you're standing next to a foreign adversary. And yes, I'm, you know, I'm all in favor of our having reasonable relations with Russia. We have reasonable relations with countries all over the world whose types of government we disagree with. We have a reasonable relationship with Saudi Arabia, arguably the largest exporter of terrorism on the planet. Now, I think that that relationship should change, but that's a whole other topic. But yeah, of course, you want to have a reasonable relationship. But when, when somebody comes in and screws with your election and puts their guy in office, and then their guy comes over and says, hey, everything's cool. I have a problem with that. And I think this goes even beyond high crimes and misdemeanors. I mean, they indicted, uh, the Republicans went after Bill Clinton for getting a BJ. They went after Bill Clinton for, for, for having what Bill Clinton didn't even consider real sex in the White House. And they called that a high crime or misdemeanor worthy of the end of the Republic. Oh, he's tearing down the Republic. Where are the Republicans now? They are complicit. We'll be back with your calls after this. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's come about 16 minutes past the hour. I'd like to get your thoughts on all this, too. We all probably watch the same press conference. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Well, Johnny in Lamarck, in Lamarck, Texas. Hey, Johnny, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech. Hey, Tom, you look uh, good when you're tanned, and I heard your speech on KPFT this morning from uh, last week. Really oh. good and smart. Oh, great. Thank you. What's up? Listen, I have to agree and disagree with what you're saying in regards to the mule invest indictment of those half a dozen or so Russians, or however many they are. That was a full dozen. Um, say again? It, it was 12. There's, now we have uh, 25 Russians who've been indicted, and Russia's refusing to extradite any of them. Oh, of course. Baker's dozen. Okay. Well, um, here it is, the chickens coming home to roost, and again, I can't disagree with that. It's not a, a reason to say, well, you did it so we can do it, but that's a reality, it's human nature. So I propose this. From this point forward, we make an announcement, official policy, although I doubt the Republicans will do it, is that you don't do this anymore, and we won't do these kind of things, too. I don't think you could do that, Johnny. You can't, you can't just say we won't. What you have to do is put into place actual laws and an actual enforcement mechanism, and it has to have actual teeth. Didn't I just say that? Uh, no, you said we have, to, we have to say we won't do this and you, and you won't do this. And that's a different thing than passing a law. Or, you know. I also said the word policy, and I also said the Republicans in power won't do it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, okay, forgive me. I think also that this is something that should be brought forward before the United Nations. Absolutely. So, okay, Johnny, thank you. Uh, good to hear from you. Got, uh, Gary in Missouri. Hey, hey Gary, what's up? Um, I was just listening to you, and uh, you said this blows, your, this blows your mind. My mind was blown back when uh, he said he would date his own daughter if she wasn't his daughter. Yeah, you know, that was, that was I, Trump you know, on Howard Stern. I'm not defending you know. that at all. But that, you know, that is not something that you impeach a president for. 
It's it's something I, you I don't elect him in the first place. And I agree. Anybody who's who who knew that you know, and that was one of a long string of you know, grabbing by the crotch and all this other stuff. I get yeah, that. And that. and the Republicans were all basically these guys were were willing to make a, a deal with the devil. They were willing to say if you're going to make abortion illegal, if you're going to make you know guns freely available all over the country, uh, if you're going to do away with environmental regulations, uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to basically cater to the wants and needs of the billionaire class and screw the American consumer, then we don't care what you're sex life is like. We don't care what your marriages are like. We don't care how, how many women you've groped. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to put you in office. That was, that's basically what the Republicans did. And it's just since then that they've just catered to it. Yeah. And but see, that's, that's not, that, that is not even close to the same level as, as treason. As, as, as treason. Yeah. As, as standing on a podium and saying into a camera to a foreign power, Russia, if you're listening, please hack Hillary Clinton, essentially. And that same day, Russia did it, at least according to the Mueller indictment. And, you know, I, apparently there's going to be a lot of ambiguity, probably throughout Trump's presidency, uh, you know, until or unless this is figured out. And I'm also wondering what, you know, what other shoes are going to drop on the, uh, on the side of the Mueller investigation. You know, where is he going to go with this? But uh, this, was, this was just remarkable. Uh, Gary, thanks. Thanks a lot for the call. It's good to hear from you. We'll be right back. Stick around. It's uh, 20 minutes past the hour. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Uh, getting your thoughts on my thoughts on this. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, in fact, I want to take it a step beyond what I said earlier. Not only do I think that there are now, and this press conference is a big piece of it, but, you know, the indictments that came out last week, the previous actions, Trump revealing classified uh, methods and, and sources uh, to uh, Ambassador Kislyak in the White House way back months ago, a year ago, I think it was, uh, you know, when he said, hey, I fired that, that Comey guy, he, you know, the pressure's off now. <laughs> what? Right? Like I said, had Obama done that? Can you imagine? I mean, the nation would be in flames. The Republicans would be lighting up the street. But, but not only, here's the problem. Not only is this entire administration illegitimate, but I don't know that we have a mechanism to deal with it. I know of no constitutional mechanism. There's nothing in the Constitution about a do-over. Mike Pence was right at the center of this. He was in charge of the whole transition team, which was riddled with people who are now have pled guilty to participating in corrupting the election on behalf of the Russians. I mean, this it is or on behalf of Trump with the Russians on behalf. You understand what I'm saying. And I frankly don't have a solution. I mean, obviously impeachment. But and I think Mike Pence should be should be named in the articles of impeachment for his participation, his participation and his collusion and his unwillingness to, 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 to step up and be a patriot. I mean, this is just breathtaking. Anyhow, let's pick up your calls. Brian in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Um, I, I have sort of a two part uh, thing for you. Um, the first part is that, um, you know, this, the indictment of the 12 Russians um, is, is one part. And I heard Lawrence O'Donnell um, and others compared this. They said it's like Watergate part two. Oh, it's much worse than Watergate. Watergate, Watergate was just, yeah. you know, Richard, Richard Nixon thought that, that they had uh, information on his, you know, having gotten a bribe, which he had gotten, and he thought that the Democrats had it. And, uh, you know, he was, he was trying to break into the DNC to get that information so he could, you know, use, you know, so he could prevent it from being used against him in the election. This is, this is, this is not some little domestic thing. I'm back to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I interrupted you, Brian. No, no, that, but that's my point exactly, Tom. So we need to call this uh, Pearl Harbor Part 2 or 9-11 Part 2. Yes. Because this is a foreign power attacking our most basic of institutions. If they launched a rocket and destroyed one of our buildings, we'd be, like, completely of a different mindset. So, right. so that's part one. But, and the indictments that are coming, and I appreciate your insight into what motivates Donald Trump um, but I think it, um, it's, it's more than that. I mean, he thinks that he is going to be able to out-negotiate 
outmaneuver uh, Putin. But at the same time, Putin is outmaneuvering him. And I think that his ties to Russian oligarchs and Putin run so deep and are of such long standing that, you know, that is a major part of what's motivating him. Three or four years ago, three or four years ago, Brian, his son, Eric, on, uh, in an interview, uh, on the record interview, said, we no longer need, and this was after Trump's last bankruptcy, or he was referring to the period after Trump's ba last bankruptcy, which I think was about 12 years ago, um, said words to the effect of, we no longer need money from American banks. We're getting our money out of Russia. And he was talking about Russian oligarchs, these Russian billionaires who are, who are looking to launder their ill-gotten gains. And by the way, and Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drop here because I want to go off on this a little bit. Thank you for the call. I really appreciate the setup. D uh, Trump, Trump, you have to understand this guy's worldview. For all this to make sense, right? Why would he want America to look more like Russia or more like Turkey or more like uh, the Philippines? Uh, you know, why would he want that? Why would, why would he want to be the strongman leader of a, of a country that's led by a strongman government? Because he is of the opinion, being a businessman, that the way businesses are run is how countries should be run. Remember when George W. Bush and Dick Cheney ran for president as the first pair of CEOs ever to become president and vice president? in 2000, in the 2000 election, that was their sales pitch. We're going to run the country like a business. Countries are not businesses. The purpose of a business is to make a profit. The purpose of a company, of a country, is to do what's best for its people. Those are completely different things. But Trump doesn't understand that. He's not, he doesn't understand the law. He's never been trained in the law. He doesn't understand the Constitution. He's never been trained in the Constitution. He doesn't understand the history of the United States. All he knows is that for 40 or 50 years, he, or however long it was since his father, his father grub-staked him for his, his business, and then he inherited a couple hundred million dollars. All he knows is that he was in charge and that that's how businesses run. The president of the business or the CEO of the business says, jump in the, in the, and in the kind of business Donald Trump ran, the people around him say, how high? And that's a business with no unions and, and not, you know, a, a, the, the, the kind of company where, where you have a, any kind of a relationship between the, the, the people who own the company and the people who are working in the company. And so Trump has this worldview, which I believe is shared by the billionaires who are supporting him, that businesses, that the way you run a business is how you should run a government. And that's why these guys, whether it's the Kochs or the Mercers or, the, or Trump or whatever, the whole bunch of them, Adelson, I mean, fill in the blanks, right? That's why these guys are pouring millions of dollars into our election to, to elect essentially autocratic Republican candidates because they believe that a country, they, and, and, and they believe this, I think some of them believe it's the best thing for America. This was the argument, arguably, that Russell Kirk made in his 1951 book, A Conservative Mind, which got Barry Goldwater and, and William F. Buckley going. They believe that a government which has little conflict and, and, and rules because it knows best is the best way to have a government. So Trump, you know, looks at these countries and says, you know, hey, there, there's no conflict. There's, you know, there, there's nobody in the streets. Remember when he was in Saudi Arabia and Wilbur Ross was with him? Wilbur Ross, the, the billionaire secretary of, uh, secretary of Commerce. He said he was worth $5 billion. He told Fortune magazine. Turns out he's not even worth $1 billion. He's about $900 million. But that's still a hell of a lot of money. And Wilbur Ross, revealing his massive ignorance, said to somebody in the press, this was spectacular. There wasn't a single protester in the streets of Saudi Arabia. Well, of course there wasn't. If you protest, you get your head chopped off. Literally. Every Friday afternoon, they have, they have executions where they behead people cut their hands off. But these guys think this is the way to run a, run a country. And they're putting people in the Supreme Court who agree with them. They are, they are installing, and I'm talking about the billionaires who are funding the Republican Party. They are installing uh, members in the House and the Senate and in state houses and state senates and in governor, governorships who believe that this is the best way to run a government. And, you know, frankly, I, I respectfully disagree. I don't think it's the best way to run it. I don't think you can run a government like a country, like a, a company. And it's, but, but, you know, Trump is looking at this as a transactional thing. He's looking at this, he is, he doesn't understand democracy and he doesn't trust democracy. Stephen in Phoenix. Hey, Stephen, what's on your mind? 
morning, Tom. Um, you know, the day after the 2000 elections, our friend, uh, who's a paralegal, uh, she emailed me and, and she said uh, the UPS driver in the morning here just came in and he was crying. And I think about that at least once a month now. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I am, I'm stupefied how far as a country where we have descended into. It's something I thought I'd never see. Uh, the, the FBI, the NSA, they've never been so disrespected by, by our uh, president. And, and their former leaders, they, they just seem so incredulous about this Trump situation, what is going on. Um, the entire Republican Party, you know, they are entirely complicit with allowing this insanity to continue. And, and uh, this, this is basically high treason in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Senate and the Congress who have been elected in 2016, really is illegitimate. And I don't, I'd like to know when something is going to be done about this, this situation. This is, this is basically, it's terrorism on our people. And I am... Yeah. The only mechanism that I know to correct this, Stephen, is, for, is, is the elections that are coming up in November. And November is not that far away. It's just a few months from now. And we're going to have an opportunity as a country to do a major reset. The problem that we have, and this is another one of the lies that Donald Trump told from the podium this morning, he said, you know, the Electoral College is heavily weighted in favor of the Democrats, which is not true. Hillary Clinton got three million more votes than Donald Trump. Donald Trump won the Electoral College because the Electoral College reflects, you know, you get two electors for each year's two state senators. And you've got states with little teeny tiny populations who have two senators. You've got California with two senators. And, and the Electoral College, you know, it, it's just the Electoral College is like all, you know, it's weighted. So here we have a House of Representatives where the Republicans control the House of Representatives, and yet they represent just a little over 40, 45% of the American public, whereas the Democrats are, are, are representing more than 50% of the, the American public, but they don't have power. And in the Senate, it's more like the, the Republican senators represent a little over 30% of the American public, and yet they control the United States Senate. And this was the deal that was made to preserve slavery and to keep the slave states and the northern states all together at the beginning of the republic. And I understand all that. and We can do history lessons all day long, but it is not working for us. And it is the reason why a small group of billionaires who control a, a just a few thousand, maybe, you know, uh, nationwide, if you include, you know, all the state houses that now the, the, the Coke network is, is, you know, doing has and, and all these state by state organizations, you know, the you know, the in Michigan, the ones that Betsy DeVos has been funding and these other groups. Why these, why these guys have been successful. They're using our system against us. And, and uh, so anyhow, I, you know, uh, enough said. John in uh, Minneapolis. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Yeah, um, I just wanted to say, you know, I, I think it's overstated that it, not, it was a 9-11 attack. I think what's going on here is that we have a very corrupt system. You know, move to amend, you know, points that out very beautifully. I know you've been very supportive of that. The system is corrupt. It's corrupt worldwide. And institutions that we once depended on are lying to us. We're not getting accurate information. And uh, the people that are really left out of it are people like me, people like you, a lot of your listeners a lot of the middle class and uh, you know in the end it will be the the upper classes because we're right. as Heidi Hatala there is said. a qualitative difference over here John and respectfully I disagree with you and well, the, here's know, the qualitative I, difference I, I if, if, if I may if I may I would like to say can I finish no I want like I want to make this point the the qualitative difference is that if you and I you and I agree that the corruption of our democracy by the Koch brothers or the Adelsons or whatever is a horrible thing Yet they are Americans, and even if they are doing what you and I think is harmful to our country, I believe that they believe that they're doing what's in the best interest of their country. They want to see a libertarian paradise. I don't think that Vladimir Putin's intentions, or the intentions of, frankly, any other leader of any other country in the world, is to do what's in the best interest of the United States based on their own belief system. And that, that qualitative difference means that what the Kochs are doing is corrupt, I agree with you, what Putin did what the Russian government did, let's say specifically, um, is an attack. Back to you, John. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely disagree with you. And why do you make yourself a useful tool for the corruption that you protest against? I mean, I I'm, I'm not going to let. Yeah, I'm sorry, John. I'm not a useful tool of anybody. And <laughs> that's insulting. Linda in Santa Rosa, California. Hey, Linda, what's up? Hi, Tom. So, Linda, I, Linda, I just, I just noticed I missed my clock. I'm going to hit a break here in eight seconds, which is okay. not fair to you. Please let me put you on hold, and I'll bring you back in just a minute, okay? Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Linda. I'm, this is entirely my fault. I'm sorry. Here, there it comes. Um, 
Uh, it's one day back in the saddle, right? I took three days off last week and I, I forgot to watch my damn clock. We will be back. Is this, is this treason? Is it merely corruption? Is it, you know, what is it? I think it's treason. I think we have been attacked. And I'm, you know, and the only thing I can see to do it is to get out and You're vote. listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And get everybody you know registered to vote and make sure that they show up to vote and do everything you can to support politicians who put America first, literally. Hey, do you brush with an electric toothbrush or have you wanted to? If you're using one of the one of the older, bigger, bulkier, you know, and some of them you know, are so aggressive they can even damage your mouth, uh, tooth, electric toothbrushes, uh, or if you've never used an electric toothbrush, I want you to pay attention. There's a new electric toothbrush. Time Magazine called it the invention of the year, right? Uh, it's called Quip, Q-U-I-P. It's slim, it's lightweight, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush. It's got a, you know, a little AAA battery inside that powers it and powers it for months at a time uh, be, between changes. And it, it does a really great job. It aggressively cleans your teeth, but it does so in a way that's good for your gums and good for your teeth. It's a, the perfect two-minute clean. So check this thing out. And it's great for traveling. It comes with a little tube that you can drop it into travel because, like I said, it's about the size of a regular toothbrush, much, much smaller than your, than your big electric toothbrushes. And you can find out all about it at getquip.com slash Tom. That's G-E-T, getquip, Q-U-I-P, dot com slash T-H-O-M. Getquip.com slash Tom for more information. It's only 25 bucks, and they send you the refills, the, the brush heads that you're supposed to replace every three months. Every three months, they'll send those to you for only $5 free shipping. It's an amazing deal. Getquip.com slash Tom. Linda, <laughs> I'm sorry I cut you off. It's Santa Rosa. Thank you for watching Free Speech TV. You're back on the air. Okay, thanks. Tom, I agree with most of what you said. Yes, this is treason. The difference is that I don't think that it, it matters whether or not Donald Trump understands how democracy works. He doesn't care. All he cares about is himself and his power, and he will tear everything down with him. And I agree. And the RNC was hacked. Those emails were never released, and those are being you mean the DNC. used as compromise. Oh, wait a minute. So You're saying that the Russians hacked the RNC along with the DNC? Yes, they did, and they never released those on WikiLeaks. Why? Because they're using them to blackmail. How do you know that, Linda? The senators. I feel it in my bones. I see. Because you see um, Lindsey Graham, sometimes he's making sense, and other times his nose is so far up. Donald Trump's backside, it feels like his dog chain has been yanked and he's been reminded that there is some stuff that was found in the RNC that is embarrassing to him. And some of these other con congressmen, it just seems really odd, their behavior. They are not patriots. They are compromised individuals, and they are not following their oaths of office. They have become tools of the Russian government. And they are supporting this treason. And they went to Moscow on the 4th of July, for God's sake. Yeah. These people are treasonous. The, this is the delegation. Yeah, for people who don't know what you're talking about, Linda, because it didn't get yeah, much I coverage hope. in the American press, bizarrely. I, I, you had eight or nine I, Republican senators, weren't they all senators, who went to, who went to, yeah, to no, Russia on the 4th of July? There, yeah, there were senators and congresspeople and congressmen. that went there. Okay. And, and, and so... I hope that voting will work, but I still feel that in, in the state of Michigan, there were 75,000 ballots that weren't counted, and the margin of victory was 10,000. Right. I don't have confidence that the, the manipulation of the voter rolls by either the Republicans with trying to knock people off the voting polls um, with cross-check or with Russians going in and manipulating and, and taking people off. Right. Whether or not our elections will actually reflect the accurate um, intent of the voters, Linda, and, I don't think our, so, our elections have reflected the intent of the voters. Well, well, in a big way, they haven't reflected the intent of the voters in, in, in hundreds of years because of the electoral college. But but uh, in a, in the more practical sense, in the context of electronic voting, I don't think that they've reflected the interests of the voters since 1998. And the 2000 election was a major turning point. But 98 was when we first started seeing redshift, and every year since 1998. 
the, the more heavily a state depends on electronic voting machines, particularly those without yeah. paper trails, the more heavily the exit polls disagree with the elections and the more heavily Republicans win when the exit polls say Democrats should win. I agree with you on all that. I, to the best of my knowledge, the only, the only solution, I mean, you know, the, the, you get the Ted Nugent types who are like, you know, well, the solution to all our problems is to go into the streets with our AR-14s or whatever. That's crazy. To the best of my knowledge, the only way we can do this is to massively, overwhelmingly show up at the polls, even if we don't believe that it is always, you know, that, that, that they are going to be consistently fair. We have to do this. We, I, I just don't, I don't have an alternative, Linda. Linda, thanks so much for the call. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. On the line with us is Victoria Jones, the Chief Washington Correspondent for the D.C. Radio Company. Uh, you can tweet her at Victoria Jones D.C. And uh, Victoria, welcome back to the program. It's been a while. Great to talk to you, Tom. Great speaking with you. Uh, originally, you know, back last week when we talked about getting you on the show, uh, we were talking about, you know, Trump's tri trip to the U.K. and Theresa May and all this other kind of stuff. And then I, w I was out of town. And, you know, so here we are today talking um, in what has happened in the meantime is the indictments of these Russian intelligence officers. And, of course, the press conference this morning uh, after the two hour, 10 minute meeting, private meeting with no other people in the room between Trump and Putin. And uh, I'm curious as, uh, you know, one of one of the more informed people in the in the news media, I, I respect your opinion tremendously, and, and uh, you are such a, an astute observer, and you have the benefit of understanding, of, of a bicultural understanding of this stuff, and, and bicontinental understanding of these things. Um, before we get to Trump and Theresa May and all that stuff, I'm curious your thoughts on what happened this morning. Yeah, well, I was uh, pretty shocked this morning. My, my mouth um, fell more and more open, and I eventually shut it because I got worried about flies um, <laughs> fall, falling in. Um, and, but we must get to Theresa May, more importantly, the Queen, because I'm, uh, yeah. I, I'm we will do that. shocked about that also. Um, well, it can be summed up rather well by um, going back to Prime Minister Tony Blair. Remember his spin doctor, who was very effective, Alistair Campbell, who got into quite a bit of trouble for his spinning. He tweeted this morning, the last 10 minutes have been the highlight of Putin's KGB career. Yeah, I think that's and probably that's, an accurate that's, statement. Yeah, that's from a spin doctor. Another tweet this morning from former CIA director John Brennan. Donald Trump's press conference performance in Helsinki rises to and exceeds the threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors, Brennan said. It was nothing short of treasonous. Not only were Trump's comments imbecilic, he is wholly in the pocket of Putin. Republican patriots, where are you? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. Well, and, and it, was, it was directly asked of President Putin, do you have compromising information on Trump? And he did not deny it. He, I, I've got the whole transcript right in front of me right here. And he says, uh, th right. there were over 500, I, you know, I skipped through it, but he says, I didn't even know he was in Moscow. I treated him with the utmost respect. But back then, he was a private individual. Nobody told me he was in Moscow. There were over 500 businessmen, high-ranking, high-level ones. I don't even remember the last names of each and every one of them. Look, do you think we tried to collect compromising information on each and every single one of them? Well, yeah, as if, which is, by, by the way, an admission that they're collecting compromising information, I would think. And then he says, well, it's difficult to imagine an utter nonsense of a bigger scale than this. Please disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore. That's not a no. Yeah, yeah. Get this junk out of your head. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, 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 that he didn't he didn't deny it. And, um, you know, Trump said, well, if he had it, don't you think he would have got out by now? Um, well, no, uh, not if, uh, if Putin didn't want it to get out and if it was more valuable to him that it stayed in. Right, that's the whole point of having it. it. You, yeah. can't, you can't blackmail somebody if the information, I mean, the, the easiest way to short circuit somebody who's trying to blackmail you is to go public with the information. <laughs> you know, it's just that simple. Right. And, and uh, you know, so anyway, okay, so, so uh, thank you for your thoughts I, I, on that. I, I, but I, but, I, but I, think, I think what was really um, shocking to the press and, and there's been some very interesting um, uh, tweeting and reporting from uh, reporters in the room, uh, members of the White House press corps today, right. who apparently sat pretty stunned after the press conference and very good questioning by the White House press corps, I right. thought, today. Yeah, the very guy, good yeah, the fellow from Reuters, and I forget who the other tough, one was. Yeah, tougher than usual, actually. Very tough. 
um, was that they were just stunned that President Trump really not only did not rise to the occasion, but almost appeared to be uh, giving the Russia line and giving Putin's answers for him. Um, and also, it, he didn't say what happened in the private meeting, but I thought this was very interesting. When asked about the Russian interference, not only did he go into an extraordinary um, uh, rant about uh, the Democrats, but he said one thing that was very interesting, which was that Putin was very interested, you know, uh, had, and, and had an interesting idea. And I immediately thought, well, this is what Putin does. He's a former KGB agent. He, know, he understands people. He knows their weaknesses and their vanities. He knows that Trump likes conspiracy theories. And so he's come up with one, possibly. And this is what he's told him during this meeting. And President Trump is interested in it. And he, it's an interesting idea. And they're off to the races. And, of course, Putin presenting Russia as an equal and uh, suggesting that Mueller, he will have undermined Mueller throughout the meeting, agreeing with Trump about the witch hunt, now is suggesting that they have a joint investigation, which I suspect we may hear in days to come President Trump sympathizing with. Yeah. Yeah, that that shocked me rather too. So he went to he, he started this thing out uh, going to NATO, and then he went to the UK. If if I'm remembering the sequence correctly, and uh, in the UK, after dissing uh, Theresa May, the Prime Minister, in the press, uh, a story that leaked as he was having breakfast with her, as I recall, at lunch, um, and then and then he's walking in front of the Queen. I mean, what? How how are the British reacting? What happened? And what do the British think of this? Well, he didn't bow to the Queen, um, which was seen as a breach of protocol and rude. And then he walked in front of the Queen. And I think everybody's going, well, wasn't he briefed? And then they were also going, but why would you walk in front of a 92-year-old woman anyway? Right. It, I think that's what they were going, you know, that, that this was just astonishingly rude and, and she couldn't get round him. And then, of course, the story came out in the Sunday Times yesterday, which is a very reliable newspaper, even though it's also murder-owned. But it's a, it's a, you know, it's a serious paper. But Prince Charles and Prince William refused to meet with Trump. Wow, interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, broadly, uh, do you think that the? I mean, you know, we we saw half a million or a million people turn out. I, I do. You, you could tell me, I don't remember the, the number, um, for the, uh, you know, protesting Trump's inauguration. And then, of course, the next day, uh, I think it was well over a million people, uh, you know, the Women's March. Um, had, and, and we had all these people out on the streets in the UK and, and in Scotland. Uh, do, they re, do, do they reflect the, the overwhelming uh, sense of the, of the British people or, or merely the loud partisan um, uh, you know, uh, half or a small percentage or, you know, what? You know, that there, there's a small percentage of people who, who like President Trump, but it's very it's difficult to underestimate and to understate the dislike for President Trump and the astonishment with which um, uh, the British say that the why did Americans elect him? Because they have respect for Americans and they really like Americans. They genuinely don't understand. And they ask me if I go over there or talk to them on the phone. We don't understand why you did this. Why did you do this? Right. Why? They don't get it. Yeah. I, I, in, or I was in Orlando last week and there was a woman there from the UK. Actually, there are quite a few people there from the UK. But one, one woman in particular engaged me in, in conversation during one of the lunch breaks. And uh, she was a wealthy, I'm assuming, you know, uh, from what I could see, uh, a wealthy Brit, um, who said that it is now illegal in the UK to fly the Union Jack, to fly the flag of the United Kingdom because it's racist. And, and I mean, it was this whole kind of screed about the nature and character of England is changing because of this merger with the European Union and the European Union is bringing all these refugees in and these refugees are now coming into the UK and and London doesn't look like London anymore and blah de blah and it sounded to me like a fairly racist rant um, what but it's also those the exact same kind of rant that you're hearing from Trump supporters when they talk about those people from south of the border and 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 I'm curious what kind of purchase does that have that's 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 the Boris Johnson world isn't it uh, there is purchase for that um, 
uh, you know, England doesn't look like England anymore. Well, no, it doesn't look like England in the ni- in the 1910s, in 1913. No, it doesn't look like England in 1913 or, you know, uh, you know b- b- the year before the First World War broke out. It doesn't look like that. No, no, it doesn't. And it never will again. And the majority of, of Britons love that. They love its sort of polyglot quality. Right. But there are some people who yearn for it like it once was. But, you know, that's a time when women couldn't vote. So, yeah. It's, it's this bizarre notion that we're seeing on both sides of the, uh, of the Atlantic and, and, and frankly all over the, all over the world that um, somehow the, the amount of pigment in your skin is going to determine your value system and uh, that, that it just it's, it seems to me so sad. It's just, it's just so wrong. Victoria Jones. Victoria, it's always great talking with you. Thank you for uh, your insights and your thoughts. Thank you very much. And you can, uh, you can tweet uh, Victoria at Victoria Jones DC. So, uh, and Victoria, of course, works with, the, she's the chief Washington correspondent for the DC radio company. We'll be back with more uh, of the program and, and more of my thoughts on what we, the spectacle we saw this morning right after this. You know, in the world of work, one of the most important things is one of the things that people probably think the least about until they have to sit in it, which is their chair. And the X chair is absolutely extraordinary. This is the new high tech. In fact, they've got a brand new version. It's called the X3, the newest version of the X chair. It is comfortable. It is high tech. And yes, I'll say it. It is sexy. This chair is extraordinary and it will dramatically, consequentially improve your concentration and productivity because it's going to help your posture. And, you know, if you're not in pain and your and your blood is working, you know, flowing well, your brain is going to work well. The new X3 is quite simply the most modern, ergonomic, high-tech, comfortable office chair in the world, period. The X3's unique ATR fabric makes it feel like you're literally floating on air. And its patented split-back lumbar technology provides a cradling, customized feel that has to be experienced to believe. You need to see and feel the X3 for yourself. Go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com now to check out the X3's perfect blend of design and ergonomics. A lot of people, you know, checking these out and going for these chairs. Supplies are limited, so don't wait. Order at xchairtom.com. And if you do it now, you get $100 off. That's xchairtom.com. Or you can call them at 1-844-4X-CHAIR. This chair comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. That's how good it is. Go to xchairtom.com. Right now, use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, to get a free footrest. XChairTom.com. Now back to the podcast. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. I have been, uh, for the last two hours, if you're just tuning in, talking about how I think there is a, uh, a meaningful and qualitative difference between billionaires who have been given the legal ability by, uh, this, by a corrupt Supreme Court. And I think that uh, Thomas and Scalia, uh, you know, for example, going and speaking to the Cook Brothers events, uh, Scalia hanging out with Dick Cheney, going duck hunting with him, and then deciding on his favor, in his favor in the Supreme Court a few weeks later. I think there's a meaningful difference between corrupt billionaires corrupting our democracy and electing people who will dance to their tune and foreign governments corrupting our democracy, whether it's through poisoning channels of information, like, you know, the, the massive number of advertisements on Facebook, or whether it's through uh, hacking into electronic voting machines, uh, which appears to have happened, or whether it's, uh, you know, I guess there's a variety of, of, of techniques that have, have been uh, and strategies that have been employed here. I think that there is a significant and qualitative difference there. And that when Donald Trump is putting his his legitimacy as president of the United States and his and I, I actually believe he believes this and his belief that he wouldn't be president if it wasn't for the help of a foreign governments, specifically Russia. When he puts that ahead of the interests of the country of which he is president, you can be impeached for high crimes, for misdemeanors, which is what they went after Bill Clinton for, or for treason. 
And I think that moves into the realm of treason. Either collaborating with a foreign power, as apparently was done by uh, Manafort and Fred's, excuse me, I had to sneeze there, Either, uh, where during the, uh, when the Republican Party changed their position, uh, you know, relative to Russia and Ukraine and all that. And you know, I'm, I'm very ambivalent about the whole Ukraine, Crimea thing. I mean, you know, it's not as simple or as cut and dry as, as we tend to think. And there's a, there, I mean, there's, a, there's a history there that goes even way back before World War II. And, and there's a history there of the United States meddling in elections in Ukraine. And, and, and the, 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 you know, uh, as in Syria, Russia has a military base in Crimea, and they have a military base in Syria. We protect our military bases around the world, and many of them are in countries run by dictators. And we're fine with that. You know, I get all that. But this is a whole different thing. There, those are, you know, those are areas where we can have foreign policy debates. You know, what's more important? Is it more, you know, is it is it more important to to quote stand up for crime? That's that's a that's a that's a foreign policy debate we can have internally. But when you're talking about a foreign country messing with your elections, and the person who is the beneficiary of that, not saying. Wait a minute, we got a problem. Then you're in the area of treason, in my opinion. And the reason, if for no other reason, and somebody needs to point this out to Donald Trump, and in fact, it, this may be the conversation that his national security advisor is having with him right now, is, uh, Donald, if you think that Vladimir Putin helped make you president, and you don't want to mess with, you know, you don't want the, the so-called witch hunt investigation into Russian involvement in the American elections. You don't want that to continue. Do you realize that if you piss off Putin, he might be the guy who takes you out in a year, in two and a half years? Metaphorically speaking, you know, electorally speaking. Don't you get it? If you're allowing a foreign power to mess with our elections, anything can happen. It's not just always going to inure it to your benefit, benefit to you. And Trump doesn't get that. And, and, you know, the whole thing with Trump and autocrats, you know, I've, I've been talking about this throughout the show today. I think it's worth recapping very, very quickly. And then I'm going to get back to your phone calls because a lot of you have been on hold for a long time and a lot of people are very passionate about this stuff. Number one, now is not the time to despair. Now is not the time to say, oh, oh, my God, it's just terrible. Look at what's happened. I mean, you know, you've got Chris Kobach pushing people off the voting rolls and you've got you've got voting machines that don't count votes. And you've got yeah, da, 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 da. and then you've got, you know, foreign governments, messing, you know, propagating fake news. And you've got a billionaire, uh, Rupert Murdoch, you know, with a television network that that regularly deletes, distorts and generalizes information to the point that that good and decent and intelligent people. And I met a few of them in Orlando over the weekend who are mostly informed by Fox News are tragically malinformed, not just misinformed, malinformed about actual, real, you know, politics and economic and international, but, but, but particularly domestic policy issues, uh, you know, because it works to the benefit of the billionaire class to have this, this, to have the people of the United States believe that what's best for the billionaires is best for them and thus vote Republican. I mean, you've got, you've, we've got all this stuff happening at the same time. And the reason I think that Trump is, is much more friendly with autocrats, the reason I think Trump, if you looked at his body language this morning, when he was sitting there with President Putin, Trump was praying. I mean that literally. Take a look at the picture. He was holding his hands in front of him, between his legs, between his knees, in a gesture of prayer. This is how we pray. He was, he, he was the supplicant. And Putin was leaning back in his chair, his body tilted, his legs spread apart, like, I'm the boss here. And Trump was praying. Now, I personally, I don't think he was praying that the PP tapes don't come out. I don't think he cares. I mean, you know, the tape came out of him saying that he grabs women by the crotch and, and you know, and he can get away with it. And he does it regularly. He, he still got elected. I don't think he cares if the PP tape comes out. I think what he cares about is if, 
is if uh, Putin was to say to a, a few of his buddy Russian oligarchs, hey, you know that $300 million you loaned Trump? You know that billion dollars you loaned Trump? You know that $3 billion that you, that you used to buy Trump properties? Get your money back. And Trump's entire business empire goes down. That's what I think is going on. That's what I think Trump is afraid of. And frankly, I don't think Russia has to even threaten it. Trump knows. Putin doesn't have to say a word. Trump's own son, Eric, back in, I think it was in 2013, told a reporter for one of the financial papers when they asked, you know, okay, you know, your father just had his fifth or sixth bankruptcy. Are you having, you know, problems with your real estate business? He was, no. He said, we're no longer going to American banks. We're getting our money from Russia. And he didn't mean the Russian government or Putin. He meant the Russian oligarchs. But the Russian oligarchs, I mean, this, here, this is another thing about, about Russia and their economy that I think it's really important to point out. Russia has an economy that's roughly the size of Texas's economy. Right? The GDP of Russia and the GDP of Texas are very similar. It's not, it's not one of the largest countries in the world economically. It is physically. I think it's the second largest after China. It is, it's got a huge population. It's got massive natural resources. And it has tremendous potential as a nation but economically not so much. Why is that? I personally believe, and you know, Louise and I were in Moscow before the fall of the Soviet Union. Just, we just went through for a couple days as tourists. It was fascinating. We were there after the fall of the Soviet Union. I was in Hungary with my friend, uh, uh, Jerry Schneiderman, my, my best friend. We were, we were sitting in a cafe in, in Budapest as the refugees were starting to come in from East Germany when the, when the wall was coming down. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been there, I've seen it. I, I worked with the Salem International Organization, saleminternational.org, in Kaliningrad, which is part of Russia. In fact, it used to be the high security area because it's near a submarine base. Um, uh, in fact, I wrote a chapter about this in one of my books. Um, working with a, a local community that was teaching agricultural practices as these people were coming out of the shock of the fall of the Soviet Union. I was in Russia the day of the election that, that was the first election in the history of Russia when Boris Yeltsin was elected. I was there, watching TV with the Russian family. We were working on, on, in this charity group. And what happened was the, the Chicago boys did, in my opinion, did the same thing to Russia that they did to, China, to Chile, that they're trying to do now to the United States. They went into Russia and they said, okay, you know, your economy is no longer communist. Here's what you do. You take all the, all the publicly owned property and you privatize it. And you give it to the people and you let the people sell it however they want. And the people were very, very poor. And so they were selling off their apartments and they were selling off their, 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 their cars and they were selling off their goods and they were selling off their shares in the big national companies like the oil companies and the steel companies and the gas companies. And the people who were connected with the government and who had access to big money and banking, they were buying these chits up, C-H-I-T-S, they were like coupons that everybody was given. They were buying these things up, and they ended up, and this was absolutely predictable in my, from my point of view, because Russia, quote, liberalized along the lines of libertarian slash Republican economics, Russia went from the potential of being a high-functioning economy and a high-functioning democracy to being more of an autocratic uh, oligarchy, where you know, the, the very, very rich are the ones who have the political power. Much like the United States is becoming right now, thanks to our Supreme Court, bought and paid for by, you know, the billionaires among us. So, you know, I mean, you, you can blame Milton Friedman for a lot of this, frankly. But this is where we're at. And in my opinion, the only solution is to take the House of Representatives, and it may not happen in this election, it may happen in 2020, but to take the House of Representatives and take two-thirds of the Senate and initiate impeachment proceedings against both Trump and Pence, who is absolutely 100% complicit in the whole thing and was in charge of the transition team. And when they're out, the Speaker of the House becomes president, who would be a Democrat. And you would have effectively reversed the 2016 elections. I'll pick up your phone calls on the other side of this break. It's 18 and a half minutes past the hour. Welcome back, Tom Hartman here with you and uh, Paul in North San Juan, California. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind? 
Hi, Tom. Uh, what's on my mind is the amount of attention that uh, MSNBC and the other um, big channels, uh, television uh, companies, and you, your program, too, uh, devote to Donald Trump and his activities. Uh, Paul, if you were, Germany, if you were in, if you, uh, you know, thank you for your opinion. If, if you were in Germany in 1933 and, uh, the, well, you know, I'm not even going to go there. I, Brent, I do, I do, by the way, Paul, agree with you on the media that represents itself as news. And that would be the so-called news networks. If you're representing yourself as news, you should cover the news and people should be well informed. I am not representing myself as news. This is an opinion show. This is talk radio. And so if I want to talk about, you know, how I think Donald Trump is selling us down the, down the tubes for three hours, um, that's fine with me. And <laughs> you could choose to listen or not. But I do agree that uh, I, I think with the larger point that you're trying to make, which is, and this is how Trump won the primary, by the way. Uh, and frankly, I think probably largely how he won the general election is he got literally billions of dollars worth of free television time from, from uh, and people thought they were watching the news. And in fact, what they were watching was the Trump reality show slash propaganda machine. Brent in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Brent, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, thank you. So uh, you keep referencing the book from the 50s. I forgot the author's name. Russell Kirk, uh, The Conservative uh, Mind. And, yes, and, and how, you know, giving um, middle-class people a vote is going to mess everything up. That's not a, that wasn't a new thought in the 50s. I mean, even right. Plato was discussing that in Socrates. Oh, Alexander Hamilton that. was an advocate of this, of, of you know, uh, only property owners being allowed to, to vote and the president being uh, a lifetime appointment. But when, if we look at Socrates' example, he didn't, he kind of believed you run it like a company, but the key was to have philosophers, people who actually have good thoughts. Donald Trump fails the idea of a philosopher, as do does George W. Bush. Well, and and and, um, and you know this is how this, down the line. this this was how Jefferson sold the Electoral College, was and it wasn't just Jefferson by the way. Ben Franklin was in on this, and there were a few others. Was they looked at the Iroquois Confederacy, and Ben Franklin they they had uh, some thirty representatives of the Iroquois Confederacy that they invited to the opening ceremonies of the Constitutional Convention in in I believe it was August or maybe. Uh, July of 1787, and uh, and Ben Franklin got up and gave this speech where he said, you know, if if five nations of ignorant savages, and I'm, I'm, this is pretty much word for word, you can Google it, if five nations of ignorant savages have been able to forge a, a union which has existed in peace for a thousand years, then certainly 13 colonies of educated Englishmen can do the same. And um, and he didn't mean ignorant savages as a as a slur. They were they were they admired the Iroquois Confederacy, and so the idea of the Electoral College. Um, a, uh, it, you know, it was helping preserve the, the strength that the Senate also helped preserve of the small states um, uh, and, and, the, and the states that had small white populations, which included states like Georgia, um, uh, you know, in other words, the slave states. But also the theory that, uh, that Jefferson and, and uh, uh, Franklin used to sell the Electoral College was these people are independent of political influence. They actually don't have to vote the way that the people who sent them to the Electoral College asked them to vote. So, and, and it's happened a half a dozen times in our history where electors have said, you know, the people in the, in the district that I'm representing voted for, you know, Lyndon Johnson for president, but I'm, I'm going to vote for Richard Nixon or whatever. No, it wasn't Nixon, whoever it was. You get my point. And the, the idea that sure. they, would be, they would be the best and brightest that people would select because communities are political parties now, but originally, you know, when the country was put together, there were not political parties. And it was supposed to be communities would select their smartest, wisest elders to be members of the Electoral College. And it was based on something that was referred to by the Iroquois, uh, or based on something that was from the old pre-Anglo-Saxon, pre from the Whig histories before the invasion of Europe by the, uh, by the Romans. And, and Jefferson writes about this at length, and, and you'll find this in, in um, Tacitus. Uh, Tacitus wrote about this in a, a book that Jefferson recommended and I read back, back in the day, um, that they had this thing called the Wickegemeinschaft, or word like that. I'm, I'm probably making it sound more German than it sounded, but you know, the language that they spoke was a variation on German. And, and uh, uh, the, the very, you know, and they were largely you know, red-haired people, which Jefferson thought was really cool. And it was like the Council of Wise Elders. And just, just like the Iroquois, once a year, each community would elect one person to be, one man to be the wise elder who would go to the, to the, to the whole big meeting and would come back and say, okay, here's what we're all thinking about. The women in the community would vote 
then the man would have to go back and say, Here, here's what we're going to do. And Jefferson and Franklin wanted to do the same thing. They just wanted to cut the women out of the equation. And so it was based on that Iroquois Confederacy thing in some ways. And it's, a, it's just a fascinating history. But, it's, uh, but you know, they were, they were pulling it from Plato, too, and the Native Americans. So I don't know what to do with that, Brent. <laughs> but, but it's an interesting no, it, history. It, 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 I really do wish that, that, you know, we could have intelligent folks in charge. And, I agree. Get rid of some of the democracy. I agree. And I think if we could get money out of politics and get the billionaires out so that they can no longer basically hire, you know, their toadies to do their bidding in Congress, uh, that we'd be a whole lot, that we'd have a whole lot better quality of politicians. Brent, thanks a lot for the call, and thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. We'll be back tomorrow. No shortage of news this week, I guarantee you. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. If we have any hope at all in turning this republic back to a republic, it's going to involve you getting out there and getting active. Tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.